Hey, Knowles, welcome to Front Row. Knowles, as always, a big shout out to Seminole Boosters, longtime supporter of this program. Thank you to those of you who are Seminole Boosters and supporting Florida State Athletics. We are excited for the new year. Annual Fund, Bowden Society, Coaches Club, all almost to goal. So if you haven't stepped up already, I invite you to do so. And again, thanks to, to Seminole Boosters for supporting Front Row Knowles. With that said, and without further ado, here's this week's show. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones. This is Front Row Knowles. KJ, how are you, sir? If a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? If Florida State scrimmages on a Sunday night, but nobody gets to watch it, can we still be excited? I thought you were saying if FSU has announced that they've left the ACC and just hasn't made its way to us yet, what does that mean? <laughs> well, that too, that too. We'll talk extensively about the conference situation for Florida State with Jerry Kutz from the Osceola in our next uh, couple segments. Uh, obviously, we didn't see the scrimmage. Uh, if we did, we wouldn't confess right here. But, uh, Keith, any takeaways from what you've gleaned from the uh, post-scrimmage press conferences and uh, other media fodder? Well, I think, um, obviously, you you focus in on the comments from the coordinators. And, uh, you know, Coach Norvell plays things very close to his vest, uh, his coordinators also. But having said that, there were some glowing comments from all the coordinators, offense, defense, and special teams. And you continue to hear, and they wouldn't talk about it if it wasn't to the forefront. You continue to hear about the competition at positions, and you continue to hear about the depth, the depth, which has been an issue for Florida State over the last three or four years. So from a verbal comment without putting visual context in it, uh, I would say that uh, this camp is probably ahead of where they think it should be at this point. I was out at practice again this morning, so I've gone three or four times this fall, and we're we're recording on Tuesday night. And depending on the competition, I mean, everybody wants to know who's first team, what is what's the starting lineup, but you can't gloss over the fact that it is true competition now, and it's not just at the first team. Uh, it's not Georgia and Alabama's roster. But they're not far behind in terms of how much this roster has turned over. It's impressive to see. I mean, there's a lot of good football players out there now. Well, there's two aspects to competition. I know our listeners will be aware of this. Number one, it's the offense against the defense, whether it be 11 on 11, whether it be individual drills, skeleton, seven on seven, whatever the case may be. That's that's competition. But the real way that Florida State has gained its prominence over the last 30 or 40 years is that first team defensive back, which we used to call a chief, being pushed by that second team defensive back at the same position, which we used to call a, uh, a brave, uh, and being pushed by that freshman, who's actually the third on the depth chart, that we call a renegade. And that internal position competition is also something that makes a, a good football team a great football program. That was better articulated than what I was saying, but that's exactly the point. I mean, the guys are pushing each other. If you want to see the field, 
you're going to have to compete every day because somebody there behind you is good enough to take your job and start. And uh, that, may, that may not be true one to 22, but it's pretty close right now with what they have out there. So and here's the other thing, Tommy, real quickly, what that keeps is that starter doesn't have to play 60 snaps. They have enough confidence in that second team or the third team player. The starter takes 40 snaps. Second team guy gets 15. That third team guy gets six or eight and everybody's contributing. That helps morale during the season. Well, and the morale and the culture are good. These guys pull for one another. Now, you know, deep down, they want to win the job, but uh, they still take the time to coach each other up and Kevin uh, Knowles in particular, but really the whole team does it. So it's fun to see. We'll turn our attention to the, the, the conference news with uh, Jerry Kutz when we come back. Stay with us on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones, and we are pleased to welcome our Osceola Insider this week, Jerry Kutz, who joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And Jerry, we always appreciate your insight and uh, historical institutional knowledge about Florida State, because this is this is not the first time that you've been through conversations about Florida State joining a conference, joining another conference, realigning and all that. But I know you wrote a wrote a column this week in the Osceola about Florida State's decision, if you will, and, and future. I, I don't know what you can share for our listeners sake, but just kind of bring us up to speed on your thoughts on how Florida State has handled this and where we are right now. Yeah, I think this is uh, 4.0, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Well, um, you know, this isn't something I take any pleasure in writing, but um, I have followed it a lot. And uh, after, uh, as we were approaching the 15th date, I, I kind of sensed that nothing was going to happen, that FSU wasn't going to announce anything. And uh, I knew that'd be a horrible disappointment to readers and fans. And so uh, I thought I might try to uh, address it in a column. And I wrote it on Sunday night. It was pretty much up all night, tussling with it. And uh, But I, I really sensed, felt very, very strongly, Tom, that it just wasn't going to happen, you know, by, by, by August 15th. I still think it will happen down the road, um, but I think that Florida State felt like they needed more time, not only to uh, measure twice and cut once, because this is a big cut, but but also if they were to announce by August 15th, you know, fans think, well, okay, that that that'll happen in 24 which would be the logical assumption, you know, June of 24. But um, there really isn't a lot of time. Even if FSU had a, uh, a freeway to jump in conferences, which it does not, even if it did, I mean, trying to rearrange schedules and all the logistics, you would need a longer runway than nine months. And so... You know, I have sources, but they've done a really good job of keeping their cards to their vest. And so um, a lot of a lot of 
a lot of my uh could you hear that in the background a, a no you're of, good jerry okay a lot of my assessment uh you know is is just instinct and reading tea leaves i, I don't you know i i wrote what i believe to be true and uh made it clear that anything could happen and as we're reporting this uh there's still four hours left until midnight so we may wake up in the morning and find out that it's changed. <laughs> Jerry, I think part of the frustration of the fan base is that the emotions that came out in the trustees meeting, the last trustees meeting, people that don't understand how difficult this is as a decision kind of interpreted that as being a warning shot or a shot over the bow. And the reality is that's, that's diehard seminal people truly expressing their frustration without really knowing a definitive answer. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, I would. I mean, I thought, you know, it was interesting that they did a public meeting. Uh, that was interesting to me. Uh, but yeah, the people that got up, the trustees that got up, they, they were expressing themselves. And I think Dr. McCullough wanted to hear that from his trustees. Um, and the very nature of a board of trustee meeting is it is public anyway. Now, they didn't take a vote, but I think McCullough expressed his opinion and wanted to hear what his trustees thought. And they are all very passionate Florida State people, and they express themselves uh, unanimously that as McCullough phrased it, it's an existential crisis. And uh, I think most everybody on his board of trustees expressed a different flavor of that. Um, if you want to know my opinion on it, I'll happy to share it with you. Please sure. do. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, Dr. McCullough caught himself when he said it's an existential crisis for Florida State. He caught himself and said existential might be hyperbole. And to an extent, I think he's right about that, uh, as I wrote, that it, it's a crisis for Florida State athletics if your goal is comprehensive excellence. And the board of trustees made it very clear that that is their goal. We, we wanna be good in all sports. I think we can be competitive in football. And, and I, when I speak for Florida State, I speak for every college in the country who finds themselves in this situation who is not in the SEC or Big Ten. I think you can still be competitive in football. Uh, you're going to have to, you're going to have to channel your resources. Uh, but I think it would be impossible to be have comprehensive excellence if you're not in one of those two conferences that are making an additional $30 million a year on their television contracts. But I do think if you say we're going to be, we want to be excellent in football, that you can channel your resources to the extent Title IX will allow you uh, and the NCAA. And I think you can still remain competitive in football. So I don't think it's an existential crisis for football. 
but I do think it is for comprehensive excellence. Jerry, you don't have to be a, a business major, and, and I'm not. I guess, uh, Keith, you're the closest we got probably in this group. Well, I'm going to sell you short, Jerry. I don't know what, you're, what you majored in, but to know that a $30 million difference is an issue. I mean, if you're a restaurant on one side of the street and the one across the street has $30 bucks more to spend every year, well, they're going to get a better better output. Well, but Tom, Tom I, I have uh, two business degrees, one in undergraduate in business and one in MBA. But the the guy who really knows is Keith. He has a CPA, right, Keith? <laughs> Not a CPA, but I do have some financial background. That is correct. All right. Just remove myself from the show now and you guys can talk. What I was going to say, though, Jerry, and you guys both know this, uh, to get the dollars more comparable to compete. But part of what Florida State has been historically, what it has done is it's done more with less. And that's part of the fiber of FSU. So I don't know that you can see the future. I guess I'm just wondering, 30 years from now, Jerry, if all the money is equal, Will, will Florida State be missing part of what made FSU FSU? Uh, you know, that's that's a good point, Tom. And I, I posted that on a message board today. First of all, let's, let's not be fatalistic here. I think Florida State is, uh, they're committed. I think from the president, you know, one of the great things that we have right now is we have a president an AD, uh, a head football coach, and the booster uh, president, they're all aligned. I think they all had the same goals for Florida State. I don't. And the board chair, the university board yeah, chair. Oh, absolutely. Peter Collins, very much so. The whole board. I mean, I think Florida State is very uh, aligned in what its mission and goal is. And they have a massive obstacle in front of them with the grant of rights. And, I, you know, I'm, I, I just, it bothers me when I read message boards and have friends call me that underestimate the challenge of the grant of rights. Um, Oklahoma and Texas didn't have lawyers that could find a way around it. USC and UCLA didn't have any. And, uh, our fans sometimes, uh, I think, are naive to think that, oh, there's a loophole here and a loophole there. I'm so tired of uh, going down the rabbit hole chasing these uh, loopholes that people are suggesting on the message. I take them all serious. And so I go down the rabbit hole. But I just don't think any of them have... Uh, well, I've come up dead-ended. Uh, there's always some reason that that loophole isn't uh, a get-out-of-jail-free card. So, you know, go, I, I say all that to go back to the point that, you know, Keith, uh, Jack Stanton probably taught you this, that there's no easy solutions to a difficult problem. There, there never is. And the other thing about it is you're exactly right. People have forgotten that those institutions had to wait till their grant of rights expired or they had a, a window. If you want to fault anything, and at the time it, it didn't appear to be a fault, is the length of time that the ACC schools agreed to the grant of rights. Um, I mean, but hindsight's always 2020. 
Yeah, so uh, let, let's go down that path in a minute. Let me go back to Tom's original question. And that was Florida State has always uh, done more with less than, than our chief rivals, the SEC. And uh, I agree 100%, Tom. It's in our culture. It's part of our DNA. And we're blessed. Uh, you know, we get kids from Wildwood, Florida that come up here and play really good football for us, you know, because coaches did a good evaluation on a guy like Keith Jones. And Mike Norville is of that ilk. His evaluation uh, is he... He, he answered that question the other day in Jacksonville. Someone asked him about his hit rate. And he said, you know, evaluation is everything. I remember Keith, uh, Keith uh, old, uh, our old linebacker coach under Jimbo, uh, Kevin Steele. He and I were got to be pretty close. And he said to me one time, he said, there's a lot of great recruiters but there aren't very many great evaluators. And when you're in a state like Florida, the SEC is only going to get so many. You're going to have about 360 kids come out of Florida alone, forget Georgia, who are going to sign Division I scholarships. And uh, if you can evaluate and you work hard and, and, and put the time in, to evaluate, you're going to find great football players. And uh, you look at this football team right now. Um, we found them, and, and and we found them both in the high school ranks, and we found them through the portal. And so, I got off on. I'm getting off on a tangent here, Tom, but I think it's on, all on the same point you're making. Florida State's done more with less. We're blessed by our recruiting area in Florida and Georgia. Uh, we're blessed with a culture of hard work and uh, always being the, the little brother that, you know, got a chip on our shoulders. And uh, I don't, I hope we never lose that culture. And, uh, and that's, that's exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm um, getting at there, Jerry. I mean, we'd all love to do more with more. It'd be a good problem to have. But how do you make sure that you don't lose that chip on your shoulder? Well, this grant of rights will keep it keep it there. <laughs> but no, you know, listen, I don't want fans to get fatalistic about this um, because anything can happen. You know, you start thinking 13 years and you start multiplying by 30 million and you you can make yourself crazy. You get snakes in your head and then you go to a message board and, and I posted this today. The message boards become snake shows. It's all the negative people expressing their negative, you know, I mean, valid points, but, you know, it isn't always about money. Uh, Keith, when you played, you guys went undefeated and you played programs with a hell of a lot more money than the differential we're talking about now. My freshman year, we played LSU in a JV game. We bust to Baton Rouge. They wanted to play the game on their artificial turf field. We didn't have an artificial turf field. We didn't have artificial turf shoes. 
we had to borrow shoes from LSU just to play the JV game. <laughs> was Billy Sexton your coach? Billy Sexton was there, and uh, Tommy Bowden was my my backfield coach as a graduate assistant, uh, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But yes. So hey, so now let's now now let me get the financial guy on this uh, portion of this call, Jerry. Hold one second. Let's let's do a quick break and then come back and get to your point. More Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, we continue this conversation about Florida State's future uh, conference affiliation, uh, if you will. Jerry, you were, we're talking with Jerry Kutz from the Osceola. Jerry, go ahead, jump in now about the, the finances, the point you're going to make. Yeah, let, the I mean, let's talk about the finances a second. The, the, what's got us all crazy is it's $30 million per team per year that the, the uh, Big Ten and the SEC will get that no other conference will get. I mean, uh, ACC's third, and it's thirty million more than us. Pac-12 until they renegotiate. It's even more for them. Not Pac-12, Big 12. But but let me talk about thirty million a second. Big number, right? Yeah. But our our athletic budget now is over one hundred and fifty million dollars. It's twenty percent of our budget. If you look at Texas and Ohio State. Their athletic and Texas A&M, their athletic budgets are over 200 million, and maybe just south of 250 million. It's kind of eyewash to them. And when you look at the money as it's distributed, um, again, I mean, it's real money, and I, I don't mean to discount. It. But I, I, it's not like it was when I started the Osceola and the athletic budget was $40 million. This athletic budget is now $160 million or something along those lines. Um, I think a lot of us think of $30 million and don't put it into the proper perspective. Um, and, and now it comes into your athletic program. It's not all going into the football budget. You know, I mean, our football budget right now is comparable to all of our opponents. They're going to get a big influx of money and they can, you know, allocate it. A good bit could go to football, to football facilities. But with with uh, having some schools have 30 some sports and, and they're going to have to spread that because of Title IX and other reasons among a lot of sports. So I just want people to think that, yes, it'll affect an athletic budget. I mean, a, a football budget. But for those football fans, which is the cash cow and the driving force of an athletic department, I think smart ADs like Michael Alford, uh, I don't think they're as worried about football and I've had this verified by a number of people, they're not, this is not an existential crisis for Florida State football. 
so much as it is for Florida State comprehensive excellence. That's what our board of trustees, our president, and our athletic director uh, have got their jaw set on, is, is they don't want to give up that mission. I think the other aspect of it too, Jerry, is you know some schools uh, pride themselves on having the biggest and the best. Uh, and obviously one of our rivals is Clemson. And I've been to the Clemson facility. Tommy, I think you've been in it as well. There's some stuff in there that was paid for and looks good to recruits, looks good to recruits, but has no use and no function once they get on campus as an actual athlete on the football side. I've right. never seen a wiffle ball game played by college football players. But Clemson has a wiffle ball field. Yeah. Again, that looks good to recruits. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's like, you know, the age-old thing, you know, sometimes the prettiest girl or the most handsome guy never gets asked out because they're so pretty and they're so handsome that people are scared of them. Right. Where if you find the girl next door or the boy next door, they blossom into the to the person that everybody talks about. And that goes back to doing more with less. Yeah, and, and, and evaluation. Uh, you know, so I, I really, you know, Keith, you've been around this, and I've been around this, and Tom's been around this a long time. Uh, I think product differentiation is important. And uh, I think... Uh, you look at the University of Texas, and they've done less with more than anybody in college football. You know, they've they've got all the money in the world, and they keep throwing money at problems and they don't solve them. And and I think, uh, you know, you, I think Florida State knows who it is. Uh, I think uh, we're blessed. In so many ways, I mean, our, our geographic location, uh, being in a state capital, having a historically black college in our community, um, a passionate fan base. I just don't see uh, those, that, that. I think there's a lot of head coaches in this country that would trade dollars for that. You know, if you're at Mississippi State, for example, an SEC school would, you know, how many dollars of that 30 million would you trade to be in a state capital, to be in the state of Florida? You know, um, I, I tell you what, uh, I'd much rather have recruits than dollars. Well, we'll end up being uh, criticized and maybe even ridiculed, or at least I will be for this comment, but it hasn't benefited Vanderbilt football very much of late. <laughs> I agree. Well, you know, it's there's so many things we could talk about about this, but the point I want to make is, uh, I think I think Florida State fans should take uh, take solace and, uh, if you will, and stay strong in that. Uh, FSU is on this. Uh, they're, they're going to work it through to the best of their ability. I think it, if, if it can be done, this uh, administration will, will get it done. And there's a lot of external factors that could come into play. Uh, 
you know, things are changing so rapidly in college athletics that anything could happen. Uh, I'm looking at ESPN and they're paying all this money to the SEC. Do you think there's any guarantee that ESPN is going to be able to do that for the next 13 years? You think there's any guarantee that 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 Disney is going to keep ESPN if they keep bleeding money? Exactly. What if they get sold to someone else? That, that, that just And they may go back in on the next looking for the SEC, and instead of increasing it, which we're all making that assumption, they may be renegotiating it like Learfield did with all their properties. Uh, it's just there's too much uncertainty right now. I have fans who have told me that we should buy our way out of this contract. Well, to buy your way out, it will be about $50 million a year. And for the next 13 to 20 years. And if, if you were to do that with a private equity firm and the face of college athletics were to change, you're still beholden to that private equity firm. You know? And so Plus, you, I'll tell you, the numbers don't work. Otherwise, I'd have a much bigger house with a much bigger mortgage payment. Exactly. You know, you, 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 you make 70 million from the SEC if you buy out for 50. So your net's 20. And we're sitting here in the SEC with a net of 41 and no debt. And so, yeah. you know. So, Jerry, let, let me ask you then, because there's still a strong, uh, and I'm talking to people about people on the beat, there's still a strong feeling that even though Florida State didn't make an announcement by this August 15th, that by next August 15th, they will, and they'll be in a different league by 25. What I hear you saying is, is change is coming, but it may not be quite as imminent as fans want. Yeah. And I, you know, I can't put an, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily argue with those people that it could happen by 25 because it could, the way things change so fast, uh, it could, there's, there's several ways it could happen. Uh, but, you know, you know, I, I wouldn't predict when, but I, I think FSU is sooner than later is what they said in the Board of Trustees meeting, and I think they believe that. Um, I do think that that meeting they had on August 2nd, and it did have an effect. And, and I also think, if you noticed, uh, the ACC just, uh, they took a vote on uh, – bringing Stanford and Cowan and you know the the vote would was a, a no I don't know that that's been finalized yet but that was a no and I would have to think that the ACC member schools who went through that process they have to be thinking to themselves Stanford and Cal Stanford is one of the most endowed universities in the country it's won the Director's Cup in comprehensive excellence most years. Uh, and they're in no man's land because the Pac-12 blew apart. This could happen to the ACC. And where would that leave Wake and NC State and all the other ACC schools? So, I, you know, I got to feeling that between the August 2nd meeting and the reality that the pact did blow apart and two esteemed institutions like Cal and Stanford 
were knocking on our door and we turned them away. That has to be chilling to members of the ACC. And so what that means to Florida State is maybe the, the plea that Florida State has made since February for an unequal distribution of revenue may get a positive vote. And uh, it could be for the post, I think the postseason revenues have a very good chance of, uh, of happening. Now, you know, it's several million a year, potentially. It's not 30, but it starts to move you in the right direction. And I, I must say one thing here, guys, and if I don't say anything else tonight, to me, this is the most compelling thing You've got a university like Wake Forest whose budget is about half of ours. And they, they get the same 41 million. Our budget is 160. We get 41. Theirs is about 80, and they get 41. You know, where's the equity in that? Well, Isn't and then when you begin the process of adding Boston College and Syracuse, et cetera, et cetera. You know, one of the uh, things that was encouraging to me, Jerry, is that when this first conversation about unequal distribution was discussed at Amelia Island, you know, a number, not scientific, but just a number that was thrown out was three million. And then a couple of months after that, but before the August 2nd meeting of the trustees, uh, that number at the kickoff meeting was somewhere around eight or nine million. Well, you get up to you know, a 10 or a $12 million differential. And again, based on the percentages as you're outlining them, that $30 million deficit for FSU becomes an $18 million deficit and maybe even shrinking after that. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, maybe not a perfect light, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I, I, I couldn't get, agree with you more, Keith. Like Tom brought up, we fought with a shorter stick successfully. And, uh, you know, if you give us 20 million, not, not 30, we'll whoop their ass. You know, I mean, we don't need to have 30 to compete against the SEC, but it'd be nice if we had 15 or 20. No question. And, uh, and so, and, and, and listen, guys, each one of us that are listening to this and speaking on this, including myself, we're part of it. Uh, if Florida State is a little bit short, you know, uh, you know, we need to sell our season tickets. Now that sounds like the booster in me, the former booster guy, but you know, we need to sell our season tickets, and we all need to contribute and 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 and, and keep that chip on our shoulder, and uh, we'll compete. I don't. You know, it's called unconquered for a reason. Um, we were talking about before we got on the show about the history of the Seminole tribe. And they had a very small band of people that, you know, fought a draw against the United States Army in three wars. So that's our history. That's our culture. That's who we are. And I just, um, I just, uh, I just don't. I guess I get offended when I hear people say that we can't compete. Tommy, I'm getting tickled 
because uh, I've known Jerry for so long as you have. You talk about uh, Jerry being the booster guy and selling tickets and all that type of thing. The bottom line is that that Jerry wants that Champions Club sold out because that was the biggest headache and heartache and, and effort he had to put forward. Forget the bowl. Let's sell out that Champions Club. Then we'll start selling out the bowl. Am I right, Jerry? Yeah. Yeah, I, I want every seat sold. Like Jim Gladden likes to say, I want a rear end on every number. <laughs> and, uh, Jerry, Jerry, we appreciate it. Uh, hey, listen, uh, anytime, guys, but, uh, you know, I, I think this is just another uh, another wave. And, uh, you know, you, you ride them. And uh, I think uh, I think we're in good hands. I think uh, we have a president, as I said, and we're in alignment in our administration, which is we've seen it before. We've seen it when we haven't been. And you get a lot more done when everybody's pulling on the same road. Amen. All right. Thanks to Jerry. We'll take a break. Come back and wrap things up right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Farmer Knowles, thanks to Jerry Kutz for joining us, and uh, always, always a great conversation. When we catch up with uh, with Jerry. Well, we'll see where this goes, and uh, and re- restating what we talked about, KJ. We all would like to have more and and do more with more. But when you've been pretty good at doing more with less, you don't want to lose that edge. That was the main point I was trying to make as we got into that. Well, you know, a lot of teams, a lot of football teams, talk about the culture and the family. But I'd be willing to submit that over the last 40 years, 50 years, maybe even since 1947 when Florida State fielded its first football team, that that concept of family has been a very much to the forefront of everything that's been done in the FSU football program. Uh, I got a call today from my teammate, Bobby Butler, who, who we started our first game together in 1978. We still talk. And, and that, that, familiarity and camaraderie and brotherhood uh, is something that is intangible, very difficult to measure, but very easy to lose and very hard to get back. And if you've never had it, it's very hard to create. And so we're fortunate that way, that that age-old thing, doing more with less, um, it it does give you a little bit of a, a chip on your shoulder. It does give you a little bit of motivation. It does give you um, a little bit extra. And then when you combine that with proper evaluation of character and you, you frame that culture and you have some success, um, you've got a pretty good recipe there. Just ask FSU's uh, softball team. Going back to the conversation with Jerry, he referenced, uh, he, he didn't refer to it this way, but they're, they're called the uh, success initiatives in the ACC which is going to give the more successful programs in football, men's basketball, a little bit more of a distribution each year. Uh, So two reasons we don't know exactly what that distribution would be. One, the ACC has released zero details about the structure of that. And and two, I think the big bulk of those dollars are going to come from the new television contract related to the expanded college football playoff. And that deal hasn't been negotiated yet. And in lot of if you want to say the uh, the leveling of the market or or things not being as great at ESPN as they were, 
uh, in this cord cutting era. I don't know. I don't think we we don't know how big a pot of money they're going to be dividing. So we don't know what that's going to look like. Now, obviously, they're going to bid and they're going to pay pretty well for the college football playoffs, but we don't know how well yet. No, we don't. Uh, so you're you're talking about potential dollars and new dollars, and you're you're concerned about the new dollars won't be as many new dollars as maybe you once thought they were. Of course, you and I, you and I were sitting here doing this show four or five years ago, uh, before the latest round of SEC and Big Ten and Big 12 contracts, wondering, can the money get any bigger? I mean, we, we to be honest, thought maybe that that was going to happen already. Well, it certainly looks like it's going to happen in the future, though. I, although, to be fair, there's been predictions that this athletic sports right bubble would burst since about the 1970s, and here we are saying again it might burst. And we just don't know. We'll see. ESPN is now signed up to get in the gambling game to make some money to pay some bills. What other revenue sources they're going to find? Anyway, for now we play the waiting game. Uh, the wait is shorter until kickoff against LSU. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks as always for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.